0: On this special episode of the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, I'm going to hand the microphone over to my poetry critique group, the group of poets that I meet with twice a month to debate, discuss, recite, and get feedback on our poetry. Workshopping, critique groups, and coaching are critical to consistently creating great poetry. You can create great poetry some of the time all by yourself, but to do it consistently, you really need the feedback from other poets. I hope you enjoy each of the poets you're about to meet.
1: Hi, my name is Connie Hanstedt. I was raised in the Midwest and currently reside in Livermore, California. I have been a high school English teacher, copy editor, and CFO and co-founder of a general contracting company, but nothing has been as significant or life-changing as being a writer. My poems have appeared in numerous literary journals and anthologies. They explore the integral aspects of family, memory, loss, and redemption. My chapbook titled, Treading Water, will be published by Finishing Line Press in February 2022. She writes press, published my memoir, Don't Leave Yet, How My Mother's Alzheimer's Opened My Heart, in 2015. I'm also a member of the California Writers Club Tri-Valley Branch, where I lead a poetry critique group. Although we write in isolation, we meet and offer each other support, encouragement, and validation, which are key to becoming better writers. The poem I'm reading was inspired by the deep love I have for my brother, whose independent and oftentimes rebellious spirit caused rifts in our family. The poem is called Dear Jack Kerouac. Dear Jack Kerouac, How did you do it? Time after time, driving rustic highways from Times Square to Frisco, with stops in Denver to see Neil's woman, then aiming those worn-out tires back toward the East Coast. In the 60s, my long-haired brother thought he was you, in a Buick nicknamed Thunder. Muscular arms, white cotton T-shirt, cigarette dangling between his lips. On the road on the dashboard, Backseat jammed with books by Hess and Camus and record albums, not the jazz you preferred, but the Stones, sultry Laura Nero. When he called collect on rare occasions, Mom said, Where are you? Did you run out of money? The same questions, Jack, your mother must have asked you, the golden boy of Lowell. And when you returned, she welcomed you, made stew and baked bread. Mom cringed at the sight of thunder, and a girl tucked alongside my brother. When are you going to do something with your life? He answered, Ma, I've just seen the world. Jack, you would have been proud.
2: My name is Marie-Anne Poudre. I am a connector, French-born. I have moved 23 times throughout my life, living in Africa, France, and England before settling in the Bay Area in 2005 with my husband and three children. I was a French major at the University of Dijon in Burgundy, France. Currently in Dublin, California, I write poems, plays and a sci-fi novel. I also gave online French lessons. My poem, 13 Striped, is published in Inside Brilliance, Havoc 2021. Behind Thirteen Stripes. Thirteen Stripes is a trochaic poem, which means the emphasis is on the rhythm. The word dum," means running or speedy. It is the reverse rhythm of the traditional iambic foot, the dum. The structure of the poem is inspired from William Blake's poem, The Tiger. The inspiration comes from a photograph of my son in a zoo, next to the head of the zebra. It looks like the zebra is telling his story to the small boy. Black and white stripes work in harmony, side by side, like the keys of a piano keyboard. The title of the poem comes from the number of stripes on the US flag. Thirteen stripes, black and white. After all, we all came from Africa. Thirteen stripes. Your little horse to call me this morning to tell your story. Zebra, zebra in pajamas. Tell me about the southerners. Zebra, zebra running fast down the grassy vales, dead ends. What? A amoral beast or man has spooked your peaceful herd of friends? Sleepy leopards perching aloft, opened fair eyes but missed your rump. Whiskers a clothes, they tail soft, snarling at the speeding chump. What amoral beast or man has spooked your peaceful herd of friends? Zebra, zebra stopping at last to grace around the vale's dead ends. Feeling lions stalking their prey, hiding under the canopy. Headwind blowing their scent away. Draw close, and you grey slav happy. Fancy, trendy, in insoutherners, zebra, zebra. You, silly horse, aren't you a little too hoarse to tell stories in pajamas? Snap, a twig breaks, fuzzy ears twitched. Two swift lionesses pounced on your black stripes. Missed by an inch. Faster, you saved your skin this once. My cunning horse, who pranced, of course. Zebra, zebra in pajamas. Fastest reflex in savannas. Survival was your thriving force. Stung by horseflies, the wild beast reeled away from the waterhole, Your stripes wear you shield at nightfall, bite free. You always drank in peace. Zebra, zebra in pajamas. You lucky horse. You pranced, of course. Fancy, trendy in savannas. Wild man style, no silk, all coarse. Are there more black in your white stripes, or are there more white stripes than black? Striking smart horse, dressed in bean stripes. Smooth, you blur the lines of leaves and bark. Bleached and tall, the grass blades hid you. Jeeps and men with guns roamed near. Stood still, as their dangerous crew killed. The zebra disappeared. Zebra? Zebra? You? Lonely horse behind zoo bars. You cry, of course. Zebra? Zebra, you miss the plains where warm winds brush black and white manes.
3: Hi there. My name is Ryan McCree. I'm a writer, theater director, and dramaturg based in the Bay Area, and uh, sometimes I dabble in poetry. I've done a bit of teaching poetry analysis and performance here and there, as well as general text studies for plays and literature. Um, And I'm a TA at USC as well for uh, theater history and play studies. Uh, The poem I'm going to read today is called Release, and it was sort of a procrastination poem. Uh, James Moorhead had asked me to recite some of my poetry at an event in Dublin a few months ago, and uh, a lot of the poems that I really liked were older, and they were from sort of a sadder, angstier time before I settled down with my girlfriend, and I didn't really feel like I had a poem that represented how my life feels now. Um, I think this is a poem about sort of taking account of your life and your memories and your happiness and finding a private space for them and really saving them for your own enjoyment. Uh, This poem came along at a time that I was also struggling with detaching from social media and just sort of carving out a private life in my head and resisting the urge to always be connected to the public, which... I think it is something that's challenging for a lot of people right now. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Release. Writing a happy poem is like taking a photograph. They are both eclipsed by their subjects. A photograph is an act of anxiety, a fear that this moment, like all things, will pass, and the hope that memory might will it back into existence. Take comfort and know that time, this very moment, is irretrievable. Happiness is not a beast to be stuffed and mounted on the wall, but a secret that, once known, vanishes. A spark of joy need not be spoken aloud. Let it burn like a wildfire and watch the wind blow it out. Cling to it, desperately, like the present, and then let it go. Let the secret knowledge of living carry you forward, and trust that you will know that feeling again.
4: Hello, my name is Monique Roden Richardson. I'm a photographer, artist, and writer from the California Bay Area. This poem, called Frozen, is a reminder to always be yourself. Frozen, flares bursting through the bare branches cast vertical shadows a mile long on the frozen pond. How can something with such beauty elicit so much danger? One incorrect step and I could perish without another word spoken or heard into an iridescent slush of silence. I don't want my last view to be the sky, a magnificent sight, although not the shade of blue I'd wish to see before there's no existence of me. If I proceed with caution across the slippery basin, there may be a different outcome, but I'd be tiptoeing through the experience. So many moments I wished I hadn't been chilled by the fear of you fading away, numb by desire rising from my missing piece. Maybe, if I were me... Your heart would have melted into the warmth of my eyes and seen yourself as I did. Fingers forever entwined with mine, not released to a freedom undesired. Now I question everything.
5: I write poetry because I want to record. Not document what happened on a particular day, but describe what I felt on a particular day especially with regard to how a relationship changed, strengthened, or weathered. I want to remember the nature of my connections to the people, animals, and things about, around me. When all is said and done, though, I write poetry to escape reality, then read other people's poetry to escape reality. Each morning, I read at least one new poem. I hope to create a similar distraction for someone else a chance to smile or nod, a break from the quotidian before getting on with their day. I wrote the poem, Old Man, while watching my 33-year-old horse devour his dinner, a bucket full of grain. He cannot digest grass or hay any longer. I've had him since he was five, and we've grown together like an old couple. He and I know each other so well. Gentle moves by one are understood by the other. We've learned to deal with each other's moods, give the other space, lean against one another when we need it. I wanted to describe that, what went into our relationship over the years to bring us to where we are today. Very comfortable in the other's presence, needing the other's friendship. I've been deafened since my 30s and have had to relearn to navigate social, professional, and family relationships. I've chronicled this process through my writings for a couple of anthologies, newsletters, and magazines. I'm a member of both the California Writers Club, Tri-Valley Writers Branch, and the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. You can reach me through Twitter, at my handle at Linda Dratel, at L I N D A D R A T T E L L. I also have a literary website, lyndadratel.com. I hope you come visit. Thank you. Old Man by Linda Dratel. White hairs pepper his sepia forehead below a thinned black mane. They cover the nether side of his throat like an old man's goatee. Light eyeshadow near dark eyes, still large and curious. A chalky accent along the lean muscle of his neck. A patch here and there, above his fetlocks, the side of one huck. War injuries, not age the erectness of his posture suggests. The winter months are approaching, a time of year when he quickly loses heft. I monitor his eating closely, watch him slowly nibble his grain, prod him to eat more. His muzzle works methodically, slipping food past worn molars no longer capable of chewing. The farrier laughs when she comes to trim his hooves. Nothing to trim, she says. He shuffles like an old man. His hind legs cross as he rambles. I watch him head slowly to the far corner of the field, then double back at a happy gait. Not exactly a run, proud of his stride nonetheless. He has a thing for the mares. Nays, expects them to respond. They glance at him for a second, go back to grazing. He makes an effort to rear up, tries to jump the fence separating him from them, though he'd been gelded ages ago. Perhaps he's forgotten. He has an agenda. Dirty old man, the barn manager calls him. I remember how we used to ride through the lush East Coast forests sail through the air over fallen logs, pass between trees with barely enough space for his torso and my legs, eat mulberries from low-hanging branches, avoid stinging nettle. Once we encountered a lone hiker with a monstrous backpack the color of algae, a fast lope brought to an abrupt stop. A surprised hello a warning about a copperhead poking his head out of the creek. I look at his frail legs and I'm reminded of the year he founded. Coffin bone twisted in the hoof, padded high-heeled horseshoes, special diet, minimal exercise. I remember the lightning complex fires, his evacuation, the helicopters. The pregnant cow escaping the stall next to his. I don't know how much longer I'll have him. Arthritis is rearing his its own ugly head. Still, he shows off a feisty side, usually kept well hidden. Some have suggested I need to let him go. The winter will be very hard. Loss is a part of life. He looks up from his bucket of grain. Gazes at me with kind eyes. A bit rusty, but I've still got it in me, he says. Give me a second. He presses his muzzle against my cheek. A kiss. Old age is nothing, he reassures me.
6: Hi, my name is Eun Hee so. I was born and raised in South Korea and moved to English-speaking countries. First the UK in 2003, then the USA in 2006. I majored in Korean literature, emphasis on modern poetry, and published some poetry in a few Korean literary journals. Now, I've been studying English literature in Las Pesas College in Livermore. I wrote my poem, Salt Lake, inspired by mountain goats, whose fate evoked some irony in me. Salt Lake I've been long loving you, rainy or dusty. Not dawdling at night, I go. You are there, magnetizing giant cavernous like a temple. Since I could clamber next to my parents, I heard you are fatally lovable. On volcanic dikes, spiral cliffs. Kneeling and clinging with my cleft hoofs, I chew on you and brood over you. The sun buzzes on fly wings. You don't know how you taste nearby rocks falling. You are too loose to hold me tight. But my bones will shatter without you. My pink flecked tongue sings your maculated ditch. I don't mind falling off. You are fatally lovable. Set there on my map. When later my blind eyes will lead me to you, I can see you dissolved in the dark. The journey to the high mountain scorches my veins that are not mine. Hi, I'm Patricia J. Boyle, a writer from Livermore, California.
7: I write mostly poetry and fiction, and this year Russian Hill Press published my young adult fantasy novel called Traitor in the Realm. The poem I'm going to read is about the beginning of my undergraduate experience at college. Five hundred students attended my high school, but there were over ten thousand undergraduates at the university. Freshman year was an exciting time, yet a little scary. First Night tail End of August Mild air, a quarter moon smiled benignly. Stars glittered, mirroring our nervous excitement. In the distance, beyond the town, stretched the beckoning finger of the deep glacial lake. We sat on a grassy slope that joined the dorm complex below with the arts quad above. Suspended in time, a handful of us, newly met, talked the way strangers do. Superficial conversation. Where are you from? What's your major? The words didn't really matter. We sat on the edge of the future, our futures. In afternoon farewells to families, we released our past, or at least loosened our grip. Soon, reality would come for us. But this night, for a few hours, the magic of the unknown held sway. We sat together past midnight, sipping cartons of chocolate milk, palavering, laughing, drunk on the elixir of limitless possibility, floating on the breeze.
8: Hi, my name is Marilyn J. Dykstra, and I like to write haiku, tonka, and haibuns. I've been writing haiku for about nine years, and this fall I've been writing also uh, tankas and haibuns. They're Japanese forms that work pretty well in English, The haiku is a short poem of only three lines with five syllables, seven and five. They often refer to nature and to a season. Tonkas are a short poem of five lines. The syllable count is five, seven, five, seven, seven, and they tend to be love poems. Here is a haiku that I wrote on Uh, September 20th, 2021. A caravan of creatures with big bright eyes lumbers to harvest vineyards. Here's another haiku that I wrote on October 7th, 2021. Blonde tarantula seeks the lacy perfume den of an older woman. And finally, here's a Tonka that I wrote on October 5th, 2021. My flashlight reveals outhouse walls covered with shadows on stilts, giant black spiders searching for love in the night. You might try it yourself. Uh, They're fairly easy to write. And children are especially good at writing haiku. In fact, they're probably better than us adults. Thank you, and goodbye.
0: After a short word from this week's sponsor, we'll close with the world premiere recording of my poem gallery, set to music by Dion Nielsen Price for Baritone and Piano. Recorded at the Presidio Chapel in San Francisco, a beautiful location near the Golden Gate Bridge overlooking the bay. Gallery is a poem that I wrote earlier this year and in collaboration with Dion Nielsen Price was set to music. I hope you enjoy this world premiere.
9: Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen.
0: It gives me great delight to present another world premiere by Dion Nielsen Price. And she has chosen to set some extraordinary words by poet Laureate of Dublin not Dublin, Ireland, <laughs> Dublin, California. Yeah. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce James Moorhead to readers. Poetry Podcast is written and produced by James Moorhead. You can follow me on Twitter at Dublin Ranch, subscribe to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, and follow us on viewlesswings.com or on Instagram at viewlesswings.